Yo. What's up? Did the link that I put in Twitter work? Yeah. I mean, that's how I got here. All right. I don't know. It looked weird when I, like, pasted it in there, so I just sent it to you on Telegram, too. Did I already lose you? About that. The mute. Oh. <laughs> I'm still here. Had the mute. <clears throat> so, how, how are you, Phil? <laughs> I'm good. How about you, LC? <laughs> I'm not too bad. Are we are we recording already? Yeah, you know how I go. Oh, okay. Well, we're we're live, and then when Nico gets here, we'll already be live. So Sweet. it is what it is. How's uh how's full time simply treating you? Pretty good. Lots of work. You know, we got a we got, we got a lot going on because there's uh you know there's a lot of moving parts to it, and we're uh, we're starting to add clips and. You know, we're just uh, essentially trying to make it a little bit better. Oh, there's an echo. You have an echo? Yeah. Are you hearing that? No. Oh, okay. I just, I'm hearing it for some reason. Uh Uh-oh. Did you break it? I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) I think people vastly underestimate how much work you guys put in to make your podcast what it is. You know what? Interestingly enough, it's... You know, it's like, I think that people, surprisingly, we actually get a lot of people that do appreciate the, you know, that, that actually are like, you know, we think you're doing a lot of work. And interestingly enough, like at the beginning, right, it was, it was like a lot less. But the thing is, is that as you continue to dive into it, you're like, it, it's this feeling that, you know, you want to, you know, you want to create something, first of all, that you're proud of, but at the same time, that brings value, you know, to the listeners, so it just, it, it became like, it became more. And I think people, people are really seeing that, Hey, you know, like these guys are putting in the work, you know, day in and day out. So it's cool. Like we're getting, we're definitely getting the positive feedback, you know, from the Bitcoiners that listen to us. What's, What's up, up Nico? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Fantastic. Happy to be here, bro. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Um, we were I'm just talking. I'm getting okay. used to the, the. I had no idea Anchor had the ability to record from the phone like that. I thought I was gonna have to like you know get on my laptop and all this stuff, but that's awesome. Really cool stuff. It's like a double-edged sword. So it like works from the phone, but you can't let your phone screen lock because if you let your phone screen lock, you like disconnect. It's like it's half a piece of shit to be honest. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. Good. Good thing that you told me that. So, but but it's not going to lock by itself, right? You just uh, have to make sure that I don't lock it. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's kind of it's kind of weird because if you have the anchor app, um, it prompts you to open it, but then nothing happens. It's it is the easiest by far way to create a podcast, and hands down the worst service to use to make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How did they do it? <laughs> oh, it's such a piece of shit. <laughs> is, and they have is, like this this weird catch, right? That comes with it, right? So I like downloaded Anchor, right? Started making the podcast, and I was like, "Oh, this is sick! I can like all the music that Spotify has is accessible through Anchor." So I was like, "Oh, this is sick! I can put music in." 
But when you do any of that, they're like, oh, we're only going to put your podcast on Spotify. But once you take the music bits out, they put it on a million platforms. Damn. Damn. It's some kind of licensing bullshit. It's, it has been stressful to say the least. I'm, I have somebody, uh, actually, I'm not sure if you guys know. You guys know Bitcoin Fuckboy? Who? The name is familiar? Bitcoin Fuckboy. No idea who that is. He's like a a vicious troll on Twitter, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, but I think he's gonna come on and do like sound and video for the podcast this year. Oh, that's awesome! Oh yeah, man, that's man. great. It, it, it really helps. It's that's what me and Phil were talking about before you came on. Nico is like, I want people to understand that like the amount of work that you guys put in to make your show what it is is. So I, at least for me, it's, it was so like not understood prior to like getting into this. Like I do next to no work on my podcast that literally this will be up on Twitter 38 seconds after we're done recording. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like to make something that doesn't have like, you know, fucked up parts of the sound and like to actually have consistent videos on a platform like youtube like takes a lot of fucking work and even when i was putting up videos i was just putting up stills like over the audio track and that shit would take me an hour yeah man fucking content creation you know could could really be a bitch like that's just kind of how it is um but i mean dude like it, it, it how do i how do i say this um duty it's like we make it and you know some other people make it so that if you're just the listener like the whole point is that you get to relax right so the so it's like the content creators the really like the person that's like you have like that literally makes all the work behind the scenes disappear so that you can enjoy the final product right so like that that's kind of like you know so like I, I i completely understand what you're saying like in terms of like oh i had no idea and that that's usually the response that we get from people that they're bro they're just listeners of the show but they don't make their own content yeah it's like there's a lot that goes into it i, I know that and you know phil was kind of alluding to it before but like as my experiences as time has gone by and like you know i kind of this thing is kind of a goof like when I started it and it's become more of a serious thing. And there's, you know, the, the podcast page on Twitter has like, I don't know, a thousand followers or something now, which is crazy to me. And so like, there comes this point in the journey of like making something like this, where you feel almost not obligated, but you kind of feel like you want to put more into it and make a better product for the people that are taking the time to like, listen to, you know, three guys like us talk on a Saturday night. Of course. Yeah. I mean, like you, it's like that we have the same, you know, thoughts at, at simply Bitcoin. Like we want to make it seem, we want to essentially give um, any of our listeners or any of our viewers value and entertainment. We want them to feel good, uh, you know, and learn a little bit about Bitcoin and, you know, with your podcast, with what you're trying to do with your bit, Right. You know, if someone, it's exactly what you said, dude, if someone's willing to put in the time to just listen to you, like converse, like you might as well, like give it your all. So that person, you know, has a good experience. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, (laughs) 
it's been an experience and like i'm i'm so grateful to uh to like the people that you know listen and anchor has like this weird metric where they try to tell you like how many people listen and like how many listens you get i don't think it's accurate at all um but that's fine but uh you know there comes a time where like i was like oh you know i don't really think there's too many people listening i think those numbers are kind of off and then like uh you know, the day before uh, Christmas Eve, like somebody dropped a five hundred dollar donation on me for the podcast, and I was Dude, like, "That's amazing! That's <laughs> fucking amazing, man!" I mean, but it, it really goes to show, like, how much, uh, you know, how much the community is striving for non-mainstream content, right? Um, Phil and I literally. Like, we're one of the only, like, I wouldn't say we're a big show. Well, like, we're getting there. I would say we're we're a well-respected show. I'll say that. That still invites, you know, small, small-ass people. Like, people that, you know, dude, like, it, they don't have any followers on Twitter. They don't have whatever, you know? So, it's like, the community really wants pleb signal. Like, they really want pleb. Like, and which is what you're doing with your podcast, bro. You know, like, because they're tired of the fucking, like, giant circle jerk of this influencer goes on this influencer. And then it's like they have the same conversations with the same amount of people with the same um, uh, with the same people, because that's what's going to get them views. That's what's going to get them engagement. Right. But those types of conversations tend to be the least interesting because you've heard those stories so many times before. Right. Like, it's like, think of, think about it, bro. Like, think about it. It's like, you, you like you, Robert Breedlove. Okay, I know what he has to say. You know, Jeff Booth, I know what he has to say. Because I've heard it a million times. And some of the best stories, bro, like some of the best signal. Like, we had uh, this guy called Gabriel on yesterday. And it was Phil's invite. And, man, this guy's an OG. He's been in Bitcoin for, like, a very long time, right? Like, Bitcoin OG. And, dude, he had some of the best takes ever. And it came completely out of nowhere. I was so fucking surprised. So it's it's my belief, and I know it is for Phil too, that plebs have the best signal, bro. Like like the 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 common man, the one that, that doesn't have the uh, the agenda, bro. Like that's where it's at. So it's like, dude, like when you tell me that you got a five thousand dollar donation for your podcast randomly, bro, I believe it one hundred percent because that's what fucking people want, bro. They're tired of the fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's and honestly, like your uh, your guys' podcast was a big reason, and uh, Phil's podcast that he I don't know if he's still doing it. Are you Phil? No, I uh, the last episode I did was with Liberty X. Yeah, he's still he you, you still do it though, Phil. You you just you just like you you only get like really you only only do it with guests that really interest you. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But still, I haven't done one in several months at this point, you know. And I'm not looking to, to schedule anyone either. But that stuff like that is what, like, made me... I remember reaching out to you, Phil, and being like, hey, like, where do I find a podcast where I can listen to plebs? And you sent me Simply, and, you were, and Honk Hogan sent me yours. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I want, you know, I, I blew through all of your episodes and was watching Simply. And I was like, all right, well, I want more just plebs. And, like, it's hard to find a podcast that doesn't have the same names 
you know, I can listen like, you know, like Nico was just saying, like, oh, I can go listen to like Jeff Booth on nine different podcasts. Well, why? It's I think it's because of the audience, right, that, you know, that the people bring um, and for whatever reason, um, you know, people like to hear the. I guess the, the same talking points, right? The same kind of hopium talking points. And, and again, it's not that these people don't have anything great to say. I mean, you know, in, in, and we're picking on Jeff Booth, which is terrible because he wrote an awesome <laughs> book, right? The Price of Tomorrow. It's yeah, an amazing and... book. Everyone should read it. No, you know, but Jeff... like, it, it's just in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, if we paint this all with one broad brush, you know, it's, it, it's that um, they can, they can, they've conveyed this message so many times and it's the network effect you know like they have so many people that are already listening to them and there's just more people that listen to them based on the existing number so i i mean look you know like once you've heard you know it's like once you've heard dan held you know you've heard dan held a hundred times you know it's, it's the same thing for all of them so Dude, and, and and it's and it's not like they have like like look like i love what jeff booth has to say i love what dan held has to say i love what all these people have to say but if you had to listen to something like think about it bro like you you're 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 a pleb dude you've been in bitcoin for a while you've survived bear markets you don't need to be sold on it anymore right you're just trying to have like essentially what you're just trying to hear conversation from like, like like-minded individuals. It's not so much like, because you, you, you hear those people all the time. Right. So it's like, dude, like I, I love what Jeff, dude, I love Jeff Booth's book. I like, I love what he had to say. He, he, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be a guest on this on simply Bitcoin soon. Um, and, and yeah, man, like a, a lot of even Robert Breedlove, <laughs> which is like literally, man, fucking sold his soul. He's still made some awesome Bitcoin content, but it's like everyone's heard it, dude. Like if you're trying to be in Bitcoin every day, right. And like you're just, you know, you're just trying to see what the fuck everyone like how everyone's feeling with the price and all that stuff. You're going to want to hear from plebs, dude, you know, and sometimes, bro, those plebs. They have some badass stories that you've never heard before. They're going to catch you off guard because, you know, they don't do a podcast. Right. So, like, you know, each has their benefits. Like, sometimes sometimes the big names are good to have on, dude. But it's like every once in a while, you know. Yeah, it's the real. I think it's a. A relatable thing. Right. So <clears throat> it's I know my like my experience has been prior to like becoming active on Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of interviews with like Michael Saylor and, you know, it was like almost like an orange pilling process for me where I heard these guys with like these huge brains talk about things that like I wasn't educated in yet. So it was really fascinating to listen to. But that being said, once you like you said, once you bit, you know, stick around for a while, you start to educate yourself. Like I want to hear somebody that I can relate to on a personal level, like you know, sailors great and all, but I can't relate to living in a mansion with a yacht and, you know, strippers and supermodels everywhere. Like, it's just not relatable for me to like, listen to him talk about why he stays in Bitcoin. So if I can hear somebody who goes out and works a nine to five and takes care, you know, for me, takes care of their family and lives with regular everyday struggles, but this is why they stay in Bitcoin, that stuff, you know, helps me so to, so to say hodl one more day 
Of course, dude. 100%, dude. I think you hit the fucking nail on the head, my friend. And especially with, um, you know, the name of your podcast, it's in it, you know, Blue Collar Pleb. And there's so many plebs, bro, that, that you know, are, are not necessarily, you know, so rich yet because we got in in 2017, right? So, I, dude, you know, like in maybe in like four years, right? Like uh, uh, some of us are going to be able are going to start to be able to essentially to, you know, to, you know, to retire, to do something else. Right. But there's a lot of us, right. That I would say Twitter, the majority of plebs on Twitter are people that have nine to fives and, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to make their day a little bit better, bro. And if that's listening to two, you know, to two of their homies talk on a podcast about like the fucking clown world that's going on, nowadays like dude like a lot of people relate to that you know and it's exactly what you said dude like some people (laughs) don't fucking relate to that billion dollar lifestyle that barely anyone lives you know yeah it's hard to hear people even like you know there's and i'm glad you said it like that right because even there's some plebs that have been around a long long time and even they can like get hard to relate to like (laughs) yeah I mean, I've said plenty of negative shit about Howie here, so, like, I can't relate to sitting around my pool all day smoking weed and driving my Jaguar because life is good. I I guess that's why you get bored and, like, make horrible takes on Twitter or whatever, but that's, you know what I mean? That's fine. I mean, so, but I I, I think that Howie, like, sorry to interrupt you, Elsie, but, like, look, so, like, Howie's, Howie's, what I would, I see Howie is kind of like a, like he's a useful, he's an imperfect instrument, right? Like Aoi is willing to say things that no one else is willing to say. Sometimes they're catastrophically wrong. And sometimes he's very, very right at calling out scammers, right? Um, and I, I, maybe I would like, dude, Aoi still has a job, dude. He still, ha- he still goes to his nine to five just so that he doesn't feel like he's not doing something. And like, for example, like Phil just quit his job. You know, I've been doing this full time. I've been doing Simply Bitcoin full time for, for a while now. But, dude, I still understand and I'm still able to relate and I'm still able to empathize with fucking people that dude that that are still in the rat race that are still trying to, you know, like like, you know, just pay the bills, ha- have a family, have this, you know, and, and then uh, unfortunately, either the Twitter count of some people, right. It really gets to their head or, you know, or the, the amount of money that they're making, like Pedro, like I, I used to tell this to Phil all the time. Like I admire the guy's work ethic. I, uh, Peter McCormack, like the Peter McCormack worked his ass off. It took him four years to, to start that. But now that he has, you know, this, this newfound success, he has the blue, blue check mark, all that stuff, man, like you could tell the money got to his head. Right. And and it's just like and, you know, like, I I don't know. It's a question of like, I guess, how you, you know, to each their own, how you want to approach life. But some people are humble. Right. Like Matt O'Dell says, stay humble, stack sats. Like, don't let that Bitcoin wealth get to your head. And then there's some people that fucking dude, they're new money and they just bro, like it fucking blows their mind that they're buying things that they're doing things that they could have never ever thought that they would be able to do in life, you know? So it, it just, it just comes down to like the individual man, but 
I think Pedro's definitely assumed the role of kingmaker, and I think he loves it. Absolutely. Absolutely. He knows that if he endorses, and people know, because, you know, when when you've been around Bitcoin Twitter for a little while, you start to see people that were everyday average plebs, and then they're taking pictures with McCormick and endorsing things that he's doing that don't get a lot of love from the community, and all of a sudden they're working here or working there, or they have a 10,000 follower count. Like he knows that he is a kingmaker in the space. And, you know, if you kiss the ring, you can have 10,000 followers. You can have, you know, his word goes a long way with. It, 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 it totally, man. But here's, here's, here's something that like I fundamentally believe in. There are very, very ethical Bitcoiners that like, even with the influence they they wouldn't they don't get they don't get lost they don't they don't they don't get that 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 newfound wealth or that power that influence that platform get to their heads dude like there's hodl not there's pirate uh odell you know odell in in some sorts you know i know he's associated with bitcoin magazine so he 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 has to you know play fair with the establishment but dude he's a he's a you know, awesome Bitcoiner as well. There, there's, there, dude. There's a bunch of Bitcoiners that even if they have a lot of wealth and a lot of influence, it doesn't get to their heads, dude. You know, and and, and look, I'm, and I'm not a huge account. Like I have thirteen thousand Twitter followers myself. Like you start to feel the influence, the influential effects. And dude, like I, I haven't changed. People might treat me differently. They might treat Phil differently because of the show and whatever, dude. But like, we're still the same two idiots that started Simply Bitcoin 11 months ago. And like, that's what's important, bro. You got to stick. You got to stay true to, to the truth, man. And once you let this money and influence get to your head, dude, like, like we're not changing. We're not changing society the way that it should be changed under a Bitcoin standard. If there's honest sound money as the base layer, it's not a dog eat dog world anymore. Like you don't have, like you don't have to take out your other guy. Like it's, that's not how it, that's not how it fucking works anymore, bro. You know? So like this whole, like how Peter McCormack acts, dude, like I, I really, that's like fiat level thinking. And I think that like, if, if, if you think, if you denominate in Bitcoin and you think like, like if you stick to the Bitcoin ethos, bro, influence, money, power, none of that shit's going to change you, bro. But if you're into like, you know, the fast cars, a Lamborghini, Austin Martins, whatever, dude, like, yeah, man, that shit's going to fucking <laughs> you're not dude. the world isn't improving is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, not at all. And, you know, there's a. Uh, I mean, I wanted to have you on specifically because we have been in spaces a couple of times together and I've heard you talk and we've been in, uh, you know, teacher's lounge on Bitcoin kindergarten a couple of times together and I've heard you talk and um, like, it's good to get your take on some things that you don't necessarily get from uh, simply Bitcoin. Cause you guys, you know, have a shorter show. So it's nice to have you on something that's like long form um, to kind of hear you out. But my, my thing, I, I think that it's really a draw of Bitcoin and like more so the Bitcoin community that 
it's finally a place where people like us feel like we can go and like, we, like you said, we don't have to take out that second guy. Like I don't have to put on a mask to go, which sounds funny because I, I, I'm under a NIM on Twitter, right? But I don't have to like put on a mask and be somebody that I'm not like in the Bitcoin community, right? Like I can speak my mind about the way that I feel about the clown world we live in and I don't have to worry about what people are going to think. And I think that's a big draw of like the Bitcoin community uh, for a lot of people, like it, for a lot of people, it's the first place they find where they can go and like realize that they're not the only ones that look around themselves and say like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, absolutely. Phil, you want to hit that? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking about it. You know, I was like, can you guys hear me? Okay. First of all, cause I, I disconnected and reconnected. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, right? It, it really, I always talk about this with, you know, with Nico and actually with Pirate Beach Bum that, you know, Bitcoin, one of the things that really drew me was that it really reminded me of the, like, you know, of, of skateboarding and snowboarding, like that, the kind of these subcultures, okay, that like people grew out of were like uh, all these, you know, these kind of, let's say these people that didn't necessarily fit in you know, because they had these, you know, weird ideas, like they, they, they all found themselves, you know, and believe it or not, like, you know, back in the nineties, you know, like skateboarding was like, it wasn't that cool, you know, neither was it in the eighties. I, I know that sometimes media pretends that it was, but like at the end of the day, like if you were, if you were a skater, like you were most likely not one of the, you know, quote unquote, cool kids, you know, because you had a different idea of the way things were and you listened to music that wasn't, you know, popular culture and all that crap. Anyways, so I think something interesting about Bitcoin is that it, it kind of created this subculture, um, you know, but with a, a monetary base, which is very interesting, right? Like these other things, you know, they, they had like an underlying sport or, you know, music that you listen to or style that you dress or whatever. But this, this is something that's very core and close to people because obviously money is speech and, you know, money is the way that we survive and live and thrive. So it's very it it ties people i think closer than those types of subcultures and i think as a grassroots movement i mean we can just see that like the idea of sound money and low time preference and you know the the concepts that surround bitcoin um they become very attractive to people that that have always felt that something is wrong right and that they're they're playing a losing battle Right. And, and, and it's like it, it rings true, you know, when you actually sit down and you you take a you know, you look at the philosophy and not only that, but obviously, you know, you look at the qualities of Bitcoin. It, it, it just all of a sudden it, it sucks all of the kind of the crap out of it. And it's like, look, I can just you know, I can just save in this and I don't have to deal with everyone's bullshit. Uh -huh. And eventually, you know, if I play my cards right, like I can build my own thing. You know, and then provide to the world what I've always wanted to provide instead of this, you know, to be honest, 90% of us do work that doesn't even need to be done, you know, and that's one of the reasons that there's so much misery as well. So Bitcoin changes that, I think, or it's going to. Bro, I, Phil is 100% spot on. That absolutely nailed it. And I, I just, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to essentially what, what we were we were saying about essentially the the Bitcoin establishment, right? And how it relates to essentially how there's a disconnect between, you know, the people that are, you know, essentially doing this 
like, bro, that you know, they're still in the rat race. They're still like, doing exactly what what Phil was saying, doing things that they necessarily wouldn't want to be doing, right? The Bitcoin establishment serves a purpose because they have influence, right? They 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 have this they have the the media machine, so to speak, behind them, so they can rank really well on Google and you know like you know uh, essentially release very good throw amazing conferences, get amazing DJs, you know, get senators, get presidents to be there. And essentially what that does is it is it attracts the normies. Like it attracts people the no coiners. It attracts people that haven't interacted with Bitcoin. But once you've been in this space and now once you take the orange pill and you start on your Bitcoin journey. And in my opinion it really takes like four four years to make like really understand that you made a good investment and not, I, I hate using that word investment, but it, it was a good idea to opt out and denominate in Bitcoin. And it really takes about eight years to like feel wealthy, you know, relative to what you started. Right. The, the Bitcoin establishment, it's amazing to get to, for getting people in, right. Getting people in, you're, you're just starting out, whatever, you hear all these people, all the all the top guys, they're so good at what they do because they do it all the time. They write well, they speak well. But once you're on once you're orange pills, you don't need to hear that stuff anymore because you, you're convinced already. You know what you, you've done enough digging where you feel comfortable sleeping at night, having all of your wealth in Bitcoin. But once you're on the train, right, it's podcasts like these, right, that help the day-to-day they help you through the dark through the dark times so to speak right they help you just like oh look it's another day let me i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna go to the gym but like i I, dude i'm you know i don't need to know more about bitcoin i just want to i just want to find out what's going on in bitcoin like what are the plebs thinking how's everyone feeling you know, like what the like did something really fucking fucking uh, funny happen with like a shit coiner or like some some BS like that? So so yeah, man. Like it it's 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 exactly what Phil was saying about the subsex in in the culture. Like, dude, like the Bitcoin the the big the the Bitcoin culture has gotten so big at this point that it's like there's like a mainstream side which is good friends with them love those guys love what they do right but then there's they're the fucking plebs bro and the plebs are starting to fucking you know become stronger wealthier and more and and you know our tribe is growing so to speak right and people love bitcoin culture dude think about all the awesome bitcoin artists or like the bitcoin like the the, the bitcoiners that like release music and like all of that fucking art like that's all part of bitcoin culture that that mainstream bitcoin can't really cover that well yeah absolutely and it's funny that you say that that like there's uh like there's some people in bitcoin who just like are doing things that don't necessarily need to be done or are still living that fiat life just in quote unquote the bitcoin community because you know i i had the same thought that i think a lot of bitcoiners have and like uh you know, once I was like really into Bitcoin and like I started doing this thing, like I was like, oh, I want to work in Bitcoin. And like, to be honest, like I've had 
a couple of offers to have a job in Bitcoin, but they were not, they didn't line up with what I say, right? Uh, A guy that taught me a lot about life used to say, make sure your audio matches your video, right? So if you say something and you talk a certain way and you carry yourself a certain way and you state your beliefs to be such and such a thing, when people see your actions, your actions should match what you say, right? That's integrity. Of course, of course, dude. It, so, I, 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 and 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 the thing about Bitcoin also is that it essentially it it roots those people out so much because the the the, the currency that you denominate in is anchored to truth so hard that Bitcoin just makes you based. The old the old adage, bro. You don't change Bitcoin. Bitcoin changes you, and the the bitcoiners that i connect with the most are the ones that understand it like they understand the bitcoin ethos bro it's someone like pirate it's someone like odell it's someone like um like hodlnot it's someone like phil it's someone like optimus it's someone like yourself right that it's like the truth is what's important right the right thing to do is what's important and we're living in a world right now dude where it's like fiat has corrupted society to the bone and people don't do the right thing just to do the right thing anymore you know it's like it's 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 like man society morally degraded because of fiat here comes bitcoin and then all of a sudden Dude, you just start you see people living better lives just because they want to. It's so fucking crazy that you fix the money like you fit. And and it's, it's really not that crazy because money is the base layer of life, dude. Like every transaction, half of that is going to be is going to be money. Right. So it's like it's so fucking nuts that, dude, you fix the money and then all of a sudden people's behavior start to change. But some people unfortunately dude like they're into bitcoin they're fiat bitcoiners pierre richard said it perfectly bro says if you're 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 a fiat bitcoiner that's literally what he said bro and fiat bitcoiners are people that still think in fiat terms right but they just happen to to have a have a lot of bitcoin or work in bitcoin but they, they don't understand what's going what they don't understand the fucking paradigm shift, the word that Phil always uses, that's really, really happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you said like the old adage, right? And one that I love is that, you know, it, it takes an entire lifetime to build a reputation and it takes one mistake to destroy that reputation. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I was talking to some of my like, some of my friends in the real world, you know, not my internet friends. And, and, uh, like I told them, you know, and I've talked about it many times here. Like I, I don't make much money at all. Like I live in a trailer, like I'm not a wealthy person by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like I have wealth that's not monetary, but I was talking to some of my friends and I was telling them that there was a, a company in Bitcoin. I won't really call them a Bitcoin company, but there was a company in Bitcoin that offered me six figures to take a job in Bitcoin. And I was, they were like, you're, you know, I thought about it for a couple of days because for somebody like me, that's life changing money. Like yeah, you man. hear that and that's like, holy shit. But, you know, I told my friend, I'm like, I'm not taking it. And then I started to think about it. And I talked to my wife about it. My wife's like, you know, you get to go 
on you get to come to that community and be your authentic self. Do you really want to take, you know, and she hears me talk all the shit that I talk on Twitter before I ever post it on Twitter. Right. So I've talked shit about this particular company many times. <laughs> and she's like, you've talked all that shit. And now you're going to go on Twitter and be like, Hey, I work for these people. Like of course. You're, you lose all your authenticity right there. And you'll never ever get that. Like you'll never get it back. Dude, 100%. Like, 100%, bro. So, Phil, you know, Phil essentially walked out, you know, away from an amazing, you know, compensating job to come to, you know, to to come to Simply Bitcoin full time, right? And, dude, essentially my income comes from mining, but I'm in this situation right now where I can't expand without you know, having to essentially go mining full time and not being being able to give simply Bitcoin all my all, all my all, even though mining would give me a lot more money and me on the media term. Right. And dude, um, I'm not going to name who, but essentially I got offered a, a like, you know, a job straight up from a pretty big, well-known established Bitcoin company to do something with with the mining. But uh dude you know like i i I didn't think it was ethical because fucking phil quit his job to fucking give simply bitcoin his all and i you know essentially i was there giving it my all already and dude like it it, a fiat-minded person would have taken that job but a bitcoin-minded person bro like i I would like to believe most bitcoin-minded people like dude your reputation is everything right like it matters to me, dude. Like integrity matters, and in a world in, in in the fiat world, it does not matter. Like integrity is something that it's crazy because when you have it, you freak the other side, you freak them out. They're like, "What? Like you know, like like why would he do that? Is he stupid? Like they don't understand it, right?" And and that's something that we had as a society before. And it made society flourish, dude. Like back in the fucking 50s, 60s, 70s, the, bro, society had integrity. Society has degraded because the fucking money is fictitious. And it's like these things that essentially make it, it's like a known fact that a moral society, a moral and just society where the truth is important, important, flourishes economically, socially. And fiat essentially has fucking made this society a such a dog eat dog world that people forget that, like people forget that man. And it's like it, it, it's like, it, 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 but there we're we're like in a crossover phase right now, man. Where it's like you know people still think like people are they're still living in the fiat matrix even though they have some Bitcoin. And there's some true fucking Bitcoiners, bro, that that really fucking get it, dude, that like the integrity fucking matters to them. Like what, you know, like their reputation fucking matters to them, dude. Odell, Pirate, Hodonaut, Coin Icarus, yourself, right? Shout out to Frito2x, dude. Frito2x, dude. Like there, there are Bitcoiners that, dude, like they're in this for the fucking revolution, my friend. Nick can't mine. Optimus Fields, bro. Uh, uh, young lurk. Uh, you know, dude. Like, th- there's so many. Like, I can't name the uh, like all, all like all of them off the top of my head. But the point is this, dude, is that integrity matters in this new world that we're transitioning into. 
And a lot of these people, like, dude, like, like, look, like, again, like, look at Pomp, for example, right? I, I, I love his work ethic. He's, he's incredibly brilliant. He knows how to grow a channel. He knows how to grow a platform. He knows, uh, you know, he, he knows how to broadcast. He works super fucking hard. Um, but dude, like, he, he, I, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate his methods whatsoever, dude. Like he, he, you know, he, he, he backed companies like BlockFi, like he, he's backed like, you know, like shitty companies. He's openly shilled them to, to his, his listeners. Like it's, it's your boy pop, like blah, 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 blah. And then the company ends up being bro. Like, like dude, like the, um, it, one of them was the coin mine, dude. This fucking over, it was literally, <laughs> it was an old, it was an old graphics card ha, ha, in like a really nice housing, like an Xbox that essentially made you feel like you were mining, but you were spending three times more in electricity than you were mining. And the worst part about this product, bro, is that 1% or 2% of what the coin mine would mine to you would go back to coin mine. So you're essentially paying them so that you could mine for, so so they could you're 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 buying this really expensive old graphics card so that they can mine for free and like that's what pomp was shilling and it's like he knows that he's a smart guy you know like yeah, he mines guy. too he's not dumb yeah he's not dumb and then he shills something like that you know and then it's, it's just like dude it's stuff like that and, and like dude and it's just like i don't appreciate that man and they're just they're, they're just some Bitcoiners because I know Pomp's a Bitcoiner, but it's just like that dude. They're still stuck in this fiat mentality, and it's like, dude, like, look to each their own, bro. The guy's an incredibly hard worker, fucking crazy what he's accomplished, but bro, but still, like, dude, imagine if imagine if you had people like that, right? That had integrity, the world would be a better place. And in Bitcoin, under a Bitcoin standard. Everyone, dude, wealth isn't, it isn't like the fiat where it's dog eat dog. It's a zero sum game. In Bitcoin, everyone could win. You, you get what I'm trying to tell you? Like, there's no reason to be like that. In the fiat world, you could have made an argument and you, you could have said, like, dude, like, you have to be like that to survive. But in a Bitcoin world, you do not, right? And, dude, it's just, it, man, it's fucking crazy times that we're living through. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I like how you said that, though, like there's uh, like you respect what they've done and like their work ethic and stuff is I've you know, I've said it on here before and I've gotten shit for it. But like Jason Williams is somebody that I have that kind of respect for. Like, I don't I don't like that he shills NFTs and I don't like but he's you know, he's a pretty funny troll sometimes. And like I read his book, his book was fucking good. His Bitcoin book was fucking good. Super fucking educational about like the banking system. I learned a whole bunch of shit that I did not know prior to reading that book. Like, but you know, that is what I respect of him. Like he took the time out to like write this book and can, you know, contribute something to Bitcoin and he owns a dick load of Bitcoin, but absolutely, you know, questionable other things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see that that's kind of the other problem, right? This is where this is, and I'm not calling Jason Williams, you know, a scammer necessarily, but Jason, you're a fucking scammer. There's sorry, that. I will. <laughs> well, I just don't have a, I don't have a reason to. I don't like, I don't follow him, and I don't listen to him, or whatever. And 
you know, may not agree with you on, on this stuff, but at the same time, it, that, that's irrelevant, right? Like, it's just opinions. But the thing is, is that we get into this whole discussion of the, the net, you know, the net positive, right? Oh, you know, they, they did so much good stuff for Bitcoin. It's okay that they shilled a bunch of shit coins. <laughs> it's like, it's all good. You know, it's, it's okay that he's selling NFTs. You know what he did for Bitcoin? It's like, I, uh, I just, I, I hate that, right? Because essentially we're giving people a pass. And, and not only that, but we're giving ourselves a pass. Because essentially what we're saying when we do that is, it's okay that I'm going to fucking try to scam one day. That, that's what you're saying. You're saying Ooh. one day I'm going to try to scam and it's going to be okay because <laughs> I think it's okay now. So I kind of, I don't know. And I'm not, again, not saying Jason Williams is a scammer. <laughs> oh, he's definitely a scammer with like his NFTs. Don't, don't get me wrong. Oh, for the he, NFTs, he, wrote, yeah. he wrote a fucking good book. Though. Oh, there book you go. It's a good book. But I, wa- I wanted to go back to something that, that you guys were talking about before with the whole like the fiat Bitcoiners and stuff like that. You know, like before, you know, before I quit, before I quit my job, they put me through this leadership program for, for six weeks. Okay, because I, I got promoted uh, to be management. And, you know, you, you sit through and keep in mind, it's a Fortune 500 company and all that good stuff, you know, so, you know, giant corporation, red tape, all these special programs. So anyways, sitting in this program, right, and you get to a point and this is where you, you know, I already, I mean, you already kind of know, like when you're, when you're navigating through the corporate landscape, you, you already know that it really kind of has nothing to do with the quality of your work. It just kind of has to do with the... The ability, the ability to withstand bullshit and boredom with a smile. I'm not joking you. Like that's, that's literally what it is. Okay. And you make other people's experiences better and therefore they want you in positions around them um, because you're not making their lives harder. So you move up pretty quick. Anyways, my point is, is that when I was doing this course, you get to, you get to a, a certain point where they start asking you questions about you know, like what it takes to move up the ladder. Okay. And one of the options is the quality of my work will, you know, will move me up the ladder. And another answer, uh, another possible option is the people that I know will help me move up the ladder. And obviously I, I know that the real answer should have to do with the quality of the work that you do, but really I know it has to do with the people that you know. So in choosing that answer, you, you understand that that is the mindset, right? It's, it, it, it has nothing to do with the actual work itself. It always has to do with the quote unquote good old boys club and, and getting in and fitting in, right? You, you get along. Well, what's that? How's that saying go? It's like, I don't know. I was thinking get in, get off, get out, but that's not the right one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't remember how it goes, but it has something to do with getting along. (laughs) Bill was going in for the third, like, old adage right there. And just, yeah. <laughs> I was, his brain I failed him. <laughs> get along to get along or something like that. I don't know what it is. But it, it's no, but terrible. It, you're it's, absolutely it's, right. That, like, the, the it's not about, um, like, quality, right? I was in construction. I mean, I'm still, I guess you consider construction. But I was in construction for a decade. And the guys, some of the most wealthy guys that I learned from uh, on like the business side of things never taught me to hire somebody who was a good carpenter, right? I was a contractor, right? They knew they were never like, you want to hire a good carpenter or you want to hire a good tile guy or you want to hire a good painter. 
they were like, when you hire somebody, they need to be making you five times what you're paying them in a day in order for it to be worth it to have them on the books. Those are the kind of things they would tell me. It was never about the quality of work. It was about turnover and it was about how much money they could bring in versus how much money they were costing. Right. Like I always had that mindset that like if I put out a good product in the fiat world, if I put out a good product, value for value, right? Like I'll, I'll create a good product and I'll pro or provide a great service. And in exchange, I'll be compensated fairly for my time. But the reality is people just want it yesterday. Right. And the companies go into the idea with I don't really need to give you something that's going to last 50 years. If it's going to take a month, I can give you something that's going to last five years, but it'll take me two days. That, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it has to be that way because of the quality of money. And I'm sorry, I just want to, I just want to add it's, you have to play along to get along. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> but, but anyways, to go back to what you were saying, that's a problem of the money, right? But we don't see it that way because, because of how well it's hidden. So, so it looks like the companies are greedy. It looks like everybody's, you know, nefarious. It looks like everybody's sketchy, but really everybody is playing along to their incentives and their incentives, right? Our incentives are fucked because our money's garbage. So it, it, it all, it's sad, right? It's absolutely sad, but it all goes back to that. Yeah. I would say in 99% of the fiat world, you can't, um, be compensated appropriately for your time to produce a really high quality product um, solely on that, right? You'll see companies thrive in Bitcoin because the compensation via the time spent, uh, some of the better Bitcoin companies, they can give you a really high quality product and you can, you know, compensate them in Bitcoin and you have that product that's, that's really good quality as opposed to the fiat world that we live in where it's like, oh, I just bought the brand new, you know, I bought a, a couple of months ago, I bought a Google Pixel 5a, right? And I was like, oh, cool, I got a new phone. But like getting the new Google Pixel 5a is not the same as when I bought like the new Nextel. You know what I mean? Like my new Nextel, oh. I was I was laughing with my wife about how uh, I used to throw my Nextel across the gymnasium in high school. And it would hit the wall on the other side of the room and I'd pick it up and still be able to use it. So to your, to your point, Elsie, um, so the company that I worked for, uh, we also did software development and hardware development. Um, and I can tell you, you know, for a fact, like, you know, what you're saying is absolutely correct. And, you know, when it comes to software development, it's all about checking boxes and meeting timelines, right? And you're meeting timelines from upper management um, directorships that really have no idea what, to a certain extent, they don't even know what the, what they act, what the software actually does, first of all. <laughs> and, and I'm serious. They, they have no clue. Okay. Like they, they have, the, they say the words, right? Like all the, all the fiat shit that we make fun of all the time on simply Bitcoin, they have the words. So they sound great. You're the geniuses, you know, and they got the presentations, they got the suits, right? It's fantastic. They're selling us everything. But I could tell you for a fact with hardware, okay, the way that it works, or at least the way that it worked in, in my company, um, and keep in mind, this company has been around for well over, like, I'd probably say close to 100 years um, and has changed names a few times. But essentially, the way that it works is, is that every single time you develop a piece of hardware, 
they have this thing called VAV, okay, which is value added engineering, okay, and or VAE, but it's VAV anyways, I don't know why. Anyways, <laughs> point is, again, it's just fiat bullshit, right? Make it confusing for no reason. But the point of it is, is that every single iteration of the hardware should cost less and less, okay? So these decisions, right, they have to be made very quickly. So no attention is paid to the actual quality of the products, uh, you know, the outcome of, the, uh, of that product when it's released. So what happens is, is that, sure, you come out with a product where you saved a whole bunch of money, everybody got bonuses, it's fantastic. But now all of a sudden, six months later, this thing gets into the field and it's unsupportable. So now all of a sudden, the people who buy your product, who install your product, they're having to pay extra money to support your product that they paid less for. So have they really paid less? You know what I mean? It's the money's coming from somewhere. Like the quality has to come from. So if you're going to take it away in the product, you're going to have to add it in the service that you give. Like it, it doesn't disappear. And this is what they don't understand. So again, this is, it's, it's all just fiat shenanigans. And it all goes back to the fact that it's broken money, right? If we had good money, then they wouldn't have to sit there and churn out the product as quickly as they do, which means they could actually make a higher quality product that withstands the test of time because their money, our money stands the test of time. Yep. Well, it's, I think it's, uh, you know, another aspect of the money being broken that kind of pulls from that is that, you know, it's, they don't need to make something that's going to last because we have this consumer, you know, we're, we're built and, and programmed by mass media to consume. Like everything is in your face telling you to consume, right? Like my, my, my dad still has the turntable and like the receiver and the eight track player that he bought when he moved out of his mom's house, right? It was like, it's a nice home stereo. You can't buy a nice home. It's fantastic. You can't (laughs) buy a nice home stereo today. You can't, you go to the store. Yeah. You go to the store now and you buy a piece of junk for a thousand dollars that is going to be obsolete in two years. You know, they don't have to make things that last because everybody's going to buy the next one that comes out. They've set up this perfect storm between marketing and like, you know, grooming people to consume from the time you even understand what consume is even before that, that they know that they don't have to make a decent product because by the time, if they can make a product that'll last 18 months reliably, then they can put another product out 18 months from the launch of that product. They see their problem is solved because the people are going to go out and it, it, it's almost going to make them more money. Cause if this thing fails 18 months in and I put out a new product 18 months in, then people are going to go out and buy that new product because, well, the old one doesn't work as good as it used to. Right. With, with Apple getting caught clocking their phones after the new model came out, it's the same shit. They, they happened to make a decent enough piece of hardware that it didn't bog down on its own. So they actually had to do it internally. But the point is everything is like that now, right? Everybody knows every business, every industry, it doesn't matter where you go. They don't have to make a decent product. All they have to do is make something that's going to last for a little while because people are going to want new. 
So it, it's interesting, right? Like, is it that people really want new or is it that we've been constantly told that we want new? So we think that we always want new. Like, I, I still, you know what? I, I still have my, my father's drill that's like, I think it, at this point it's like 45 years old. You know what I mean? Like, that thing is made of steel. The new one that I got, the thing's already falling apart. You can already hear the mechanism inside shaking and, and like, you know, kind of clipping. You know, it's, I mean, it's, forget it. it. It's, it was, it's specifically designed this way because the money is broken, you know, like, and people don't know it, right? Like, I shouldn't say people don't know it. Obviously, there's a certain amount of the population that knows it. But, you know, in terms of, in terms of giant corporations, like, like I could tell you right away, the company I was working for, nobody was talking about Bitcoin. Okay. Like nobody was talking about Bitcoin over there. Um, and these are all, this is all like boomers, man. Okay. Like this is boomer country. And, <laughs> and, and like to them, it's like, yeah, the government issues the money and well, they print more because we've had, we have problems. So we got to fix it and we can print because we're the best country in the world and fuck everyone, you know? And it's like, sure. That worked for a while, but it's starting not to work, you know, and it should have never been done to begin with. But now it's going to start getting serious and it's going to start to affect hundreds of millions of people, you know. So, Yeah, absolutely. Nico, you want to weigh in on uh, the value of items being sold and all that other stuff? Yeah, dude. So I, I actually I, Phil was on the phone for me, the phone on uh, phone on the phone with me while i was experiencing this but uh dude like uh, i don't know how else to put it but uh, bro i have fucking really sensitive skin so like if i don't buy a certain type of like brand or like like material like dude like that shit just i can't wear it it just makes me super itchy so like dude like i bought a super bougie like you know overpriced hoodie because it just it's super comfy and man i compared it to the old one that i had and i called phil like i literally facetime phil and i'm like phil are you seeing this too and you could just tell bro they used cheaper material they kept the price the same but they used cheaper material and now it's not as soft anymore like now now i can't fucking wear it i i had to fucking return it but their old shit that I literally ordered less than two, three years ago, that shit was top notch. And the reason what, what you were saying about Apple is, dude, like the reason that Apple like hasn't decreased on their product is because they haven't kept the prices the same. Apple products just keep getting more and more expensive. So the quality doesn't go down. Right. So it's like, dude, like the the new um the new because i need to get a new computer because mine literally the my keyboard's like falling out and like i have to edit super frustrating and the new macbook pro dude like it, it, with all the things that i want on it and like you know like fully specced out fully ready whatever just because dude i need it for simply bitcoin it, fully decked out bro it's it's forty five hundred dollars for a laptop dude five years ago a fully decked out laptop, the same brand, same whatever, it would have been $2,500. It increased by double, bro, right? The price, like the fiat price. But the, what you're getting stayed the same. 
And then what other products do, like 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 my sweatshirt, like they just decrease the quality of the material so that they can keep the same price. But even that shit isn't fucking working anymore because it, I, I'm sure that you guys saw like on on Twitter, the dollar store for the first time ever had to increase their price prices to a dollar twenty five. Like it, it, this shit is getting so fucking like they try to hide it in so many places, bro. But you could just tell either shit gets ridiculously more expensive, which I prefer that. Honestly, I would rather just pay the fucking top dollar and get my shit the same quality than it was before or fucking dude like or they fucking try to hide that shit. And then it's so fucking obvious. Like my dude, I could tell that there's 22 paper to the toilet paper rolls and 6 months ago there was 24. Like I, I and I'm paying the same price. <laughs> like like I could tell, bro. Like everyone could tell and like here's the thing like and this is the tragic part about all this, right? Is that a lot of people specifically like younger my my younger generation we uh you know i i'm i immigrated from from venezuela so i i know that socialism is terrible right but they're questioning the system because they, they know something's wrong dude they want bro there still hasn't been justice for the fucking crime of the century that was committed in 2008 and they know something's wrong unfortunately though because marxism is so attractive they think that it's the economic system that's broken, but in reality, it's the fucking money that's broken. Capitalism works just fine, but not when the money's broken. The our money, the 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 dollar, it's socialist. It's socialist by nature. It's top down approach. Our money is socialist, bro. Literally, there's a dude in a suit that's appointed. Now we're not even fucking elected. That gets to decide how much of this money they want to print, even though for us peasants, we have to fucking go and slave away, dude, to get this money. While someone else in some fucking giant ass building to make it look all legit and stuff, all they have to do is press a button and boom, they create trillions. Bro, the the United States of America prints $120 billion a month. That's how much we're printing. The money's coming out of thin air. That's why inflation has been so bad. And guess what, bro? It, dude, and, and when they do that, our money gets worth less. Everyone else's money's worth less. The rich get richer because their money, their their wealth is in assets and in, in uh, equities, real estate, all that stuff. The middle class and the lower class, they get totally fucked, bro, because they save in cash. And that is until Bitcoin. Like, dude, it, the whole system is so fucked. And the crazy part, though, is that even the system is experiencing effects from inflation. Because their lies are getting so fucking ridiculous. Their lie, the, the, the proper, like, their statements, the institutions themselves are starting to feel pressure from inflation itself. Because they have to fucking lie and spin, bro. Remember the "There's no inflation." It's <laughs> oh, we have to retire transitory. It's definitely inflation. It's definitely something here. And then they pretend that they could raise interest rates. 
No, you fucking can't without crashing the stock market. Dude, they cannot raise interest rate more than one basis point. In in the 1970s, the last time we had this bad inflation, about 40 years ago, 1982, right? Paul Volcker, which was the head of the head of the Fed, reason that Ronald Reagan got elected, literally had bro, he had five, six, seven basis points to play around with. We have nothing. There's no wiggle room. There's no way out of this, bro. They have to keep printing. That benefits the elites. But guess what? More inflation. And if they raise rates, dude, like they're pretending they will, I get in discussions with my fucking dad like, oh, they, they, they could fix this. I'm like, dad, how? How? You know? And if you listen to, bro, like it's not just me saying this, bro. There's a lot of other smart people. Greg Foss, Mark Moss, Max Kaiser, Jack Dorsey. Dude, I don't see a way out of the situ- the predicament that they're in right now. They're so fucked. And this, and this has happened so many times in human history, dude, where governments, nation states, they debase the money and bad things happen. Last time hyperinflation happened in Germany, the Nazis were elected into power willingly, bro. Okay? And the Roman Empire, a major contribution for its downfall. Right, it's, bro. It's over. It's over 400, 400, 500 years, dude. From the Ro- Roman Republic to the Roman Empire, was they did the same thing. They debased the fucking money. The money became fictitious. So it's like we think it's like this time it's different. That this time we could just print into infinity because we figured it out. Uh, what is it? Modern uh, economic theory, like uh, all this fucking bullshit, dude. And no, you can't do that. And it's just fucking breaking, dude. And it's breaking literally every. It's breaking all. It's breaking all around us. No foods on the shelf. People don't go want to want to go back to work. Like, dude. It, like, like the 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 fucking president is a senile old man. Like this. The fact that the fucking money is fundamentally a lie is affecting every fucking ass facet of society. And it's a fucking tragedy because only Bitcoiners. And here's the part that makes me hopeful. People that live in countries where their money has already been already broke, like Turkey, like El Salvador, like uh, Venezuela, like whatever, they understand it one million fucking percent. But it's people in, in Western countries, right? And this ties back into why. Hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, it says, can you guys still hear me? Perfectly. Yeah. Oh, okay. The fucking Spotify app, like, freaked out. So if I drop out, sorry. Um, but, yeah, so essentially this ties this ties back into what I was saying about people still acting with this fiat mentality in the West, in the countries that most benefited from the legacy fi- uh, fiat printer. Dude, like, <laughs> they're acting as if, you know, like, dude, it's, it's, it's so fucking crazy. And, and people are so focused on the right and the left and the, and the fiat politics and this and this and that. And they don't understand that if you fix the money, dude, you fix the world. But not only do you fix the world, dude, you take the money out of the hands of the politicians. And all of a sudden, politics don't become important anymore. It's irrelevant. I don't give a shit about Paul, dude. I don't care that they stole the election from fucking Trump because my money's in Bitcoin. If my money was in the dollar, holy fuck, dude, I would have to fucking go to the MAGA rallies, 
all that fucking, you know, bullshit. Like, dude, like, think about it, dude. Like, it's like, man, we're living through such fucking crazy times that it's like, it, it, dude, like, it's a fourth turning. Like, no, man, a lot of people, like, they, they feel like this is super heavy. But, bro, like, it's a privilege to live through something like this. Like, these are historic fucking times. I absolutely agree. So I want to I wanna say this, though. And I think it's something that's not talked about enough, right? Um, I'm fully on par with everything you said, right? You're absolutely right. My thing is that I don't hear a lot about is that people like to say things like, oh, you know, Weimar 2.0. and But it was arguably a hell of a lot harder for something like the Nazis to happen than the way that our government controls us. Because, and hear me out, back then, they weren't being consistently sensory overload fed information about, you know, this is what's right in the world, don't listen to anybody else, this is the only, you know, this is the only news outlet. You had a lot of people back then who didn't even know what was going on outside of their farm. So today you have all these things that are focused on manipulating people's thought patterns and manipulating what people believe and what people will listen to and what people are willing to accept. I would argue that they have more control over the masses now than at any other time in history. So it, it, as much as it's difficult for them to hide things because of that, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like we have access to a lot of information about things that politicians will say, for example, are doing today that you didn't necessarily know 50 years ago. But the other side of that is that they have a lot more control out of what you hear on TV, what you see in the news. There's not so much your neighborhood journalist writing a story about something anymore. It's somebody who works for a paper that's getting a paycheck from Pfizer. Hey, I'll see. Uh, Nico, I, I think Nico disconnected and he said he can't read. Oh, Christ, really? Uh, all right, I'm going to drop another. I don't know. I... Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah. As previously stated, Anchor is a huge piece of shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we were ripping it, too. Fuck. But yeah, so uh, basically the argument that I was laying out was that they, as much as we have more information on politicians nowadays and what we'll say the elite so-called are doing what we may not have known 50 years ago because we have all this access to information on the same side, on the other side of that coin, I guess we'll say, is that you have they have the, this ability to just be like, you know, it, you back in the day, you used to get your local paper. You, you might know the guy that wrote for the paper. So the information that you were getting, you knew where it was coming from, as opposed to now where you're, you know, if anybody even reads a fucking paper, which nobody does, but you know, it's, it's a company that's getting a check from Pfizer or it's a company, you know, all these, 
options to influence what the masses think. Well, so go ahead, Phil. I I was just going to, I was just quickly going to say that I I think that also the difference was as well. um, There weren't as many sources of information. So, and I also think that um, I don't know that the, because of the amount of information we have today, possibly the levels of mistrust were a little bit different. Maybe people were more trustful back then. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, but. Yeah. So, so dude, look, it, before you, you only had a couple sources of information you had, you know, a dozen or so TV channels. Um, then you had, uh, you know, legacy publications like the New York times, all of that. And essentially that was able, the, the government was able to capture those institutions um, through big business to essentially, you know, create their own narratives, dude, essentially. There's no better way to put it. And then the internet came along and the uh, internet essentially allowed millions upon millions of people all across the world to, to talk amongst each other without having to go through anybody else. So it changed everything. And that this is why we're all, we're experiencing all this chaos right now, because they're trying to censor. You know, they're trying to take out a sitting president. They're complaining against Joe Rogan. They're complaining against all this. That's because the powers that be, these people that have been empowered, did we lose Nico again? I don't. I don't know. I can hear you guys. Well, I mean, I can hear you, Elsie. <laughs> Anchor is so good. I highly recommend it. This is an endorsement. So good. I, I was using <laughs> Zoom and just recording locally with OBS Studio. I tried the OBS Studio thing and it's out like, I can say it's outside of my realm of understanding how to make that work. I Which is funny because, too. you know, I spend my spare time now like coding in Bash, but. See, so maybe OBS Studio isn't outside of uh, your wheelhouse. It was the guy that teaches me Bash says it's too gated up. Too there's too much SJW going on. Like I don't I don't know what people like. Why can't you make a UI that's fucking useful or easy? I don't understand. I tried to use it to do live stream on YouTube, and I got so fucking frustrated I deleted it. It, I mean, I've been using it for several years, so it's just, um, I, I got used to it. But yeah, there's some controls in it that I don't quite understand. And I've turned them on and made things significantly worse, or in some cases, made things not work at all. So, <laughs> yeah, I hit up uh, Greg Zaj when I was trying to do the live YouTube thing. And he was like, dude, it's so easy. Just use, I'm like, dude, it isn't, nothing about this is easy. There's no button that says do what you want it to do. Like, it, it takes some knowing what you're doing in that particular interface. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's also open source. So, you know, it's when you're dealing with open source, double-edged sword, right? So you probably have better code, right? More people looking into it. Uh, you know, it's but at the same time, it's also volunteer to a certain extent. I affectionately call it open sore. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the time, that's what you get. 
You know what? I, I can tell you this, okay? Um, having, you know, having been on the the other side of developing software, you know, like I was saying before for a giant corporation, um, and, you know, having seen the way Bitcoin software is developed, uh, I can tell you that um, there's, in my eyes anyways, there's way more attention to the really important components of the code in terms of stability, you know, as opposed to when it comes to more corporate software, it's not necessarily about the stability, it's about the feature set. I think it's funny that you say that too, right? Because I kind of want to address that somewhere that I've seen it, right? Whereas there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are like intimidated, we'll say to use Linux. Um, And that being said, I would argue, I would easily argue that if you were relatively computer illiterate and you got a brand new laptop with Windows 11 on it and you hit the power button, uh, you've set that alongside the Linux distro that I use is called Redcore. So you set that alongside Redcore and somebody who's relatively computer illiterate will be on the internet on that Linux before they will be on the internet on that Windows device. That's interesting. I've found when I fire Windows device, that Windows device comes on and it's update this. Here's your, here's some news and some weather. Uh, You're overdue. Firewall. Your update on this, update on that, click on this, you're out of storage here, you need this. All that stuff comes, you know, it just bombards you with all this crap. And, you know, people hear Linux, they think like this, this scary thing. Like my, if you didn't know it was Linux and you opened up my laptop, it's, it runs the same as Windows. Like there's a button that says internet and you click the button that says internet and it takes you to the internet. Like it's a, it's a regular desktop. You know, there's a, there's a start menu with like things listed on it the same way Windows has been my whole life. So it, it's hard for me to understand why, you know, some people will be like, oh, oh boy, you know, oof, Linux. And I'm like, dude, it's just, it's a computer. You know what? I, I think to your point, okay, let's say we're talking about the average user, right? They're going to go on the internet. They're going to check email. Maybe they're going to play a game, something like that. Well, maybe not necessarily like heavy, intense game, but you know, just something like in, in their browser or whatever. Sure. I, I think that they're going to be fine. I, I think that where it changes is when you have some people that are really familiar with the Windows operating system, let's say, and they switch over to Linux. Like I could tell you, my background is in network administration, specifically with Windows. I did have to do a Unix course. You know, I did have to do DOS courses and stuff like that. Um, and I can say that for me, what's what was frustrating about Linux was because I was very familiar with the Windows operating system and its directory structure and its features, right? But then when I go into Linux, I'm like I'm like a foreigner in the new land, right? Like there's a different directory structure. It's not the same way to access the same features for let's say, you know, certain type, like let's say I want to put the machine on a domain or something like that. Like everything is named differently like it's that that's what it is so it's almost it's the double-edged sword of 
you have enough knowledge to the point where it actually ruins the experience that should be otherwise very good because I've, I, I do have a Linux machine. I have, you know, like, and I really do enjoy it. Um, what's it called? Uh, I was using, uh, oh, damn, I was, I was using Ubuntu, you know? Yeah. And like, that, that was a great experience. I was like, this, this is great. I'm like, this finally totally destroys windows. <laughs> My, yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, you're right. Cause all the learning that I've done as far as computers are concerned, uh, like I had some networking, like physical networking experience. Um, but like actually like, you know, what goes on under the hood, uh, I didn't learn anything in that like realm until I was in Linux. So if I were to go into now, when I like open up my wife's work laptop and she's running windows, I'm like, God, this shit doesn't work. Like what the (laughs) fuck? It's just broken. Everything's broken, but that's true anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that's like probably why my bias is that way, but it's been the most freeing thing. Like, I don't know. Somebody said something, you know how, no matter what we're talking about, somebody will say something and it just like rings true with you. And you're like, holy shit, you're right. Yep. I had that moment with uh, a friend of mine talking about computers when I was getting into Linux. And he was like, listen, if that machine you're using doesn't do what you tell it to do and nothing else, then you don't own that machine. That machine owns you or whoever controls that machine owns you. And I was like, fuck, like, you're right. So it it gave me like this, this want to, to know what was going on in the background. And I mean, Linux is a lot of fun with that. I don't know how Windows is, but you can, I mean, you can change fucking everything in Linux. Yeah, you can, you can do a lot of stuff in Windows. Um, but it does take a lot. I, I would I would say it's like a little bit more difficult. There's more, uh, uh, what do we call those, like fail safes built in because they essentially try to stop you from shooting yourself. <laughs> so, but, but essentially stopping you from shooting yourself stops you from customizing windows to work the way you want it to. So. Right. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm going to disconnect again. I'm going to drop another link in. Nico oh, messaged sure. me and said it crashed. All right. No, no worries. <laughs> Nobody we're, ever use Anchor. We're back. All right. We're back. Elsie, I got about, I got, I got about literally like 20 minutes left, my, my dude. Perfect. Me too. Um, Cheers. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Me and, uh, me and Phil were talking about Windows and Linux yes. for a minute there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you make a good that it was because there was less, uh, you know, there were less things to capture. Yes. So, but let's see, man. Let's see how all this shit plays out. I'm just happy I have Bitcoin and I don't have to worry about fucking fucking bullshit. I, uh, things are fucking crazy here. Like, moving is gonna have to come into, uh, is gonna have to come into the picture at some point. Are you in a blue state? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been. 
I'm in Rhode Island, and it's ugly. Oh, that sucks, dude. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's uh, it's sheer insanity, and I don't want to leave here because it's where my family's from. But the more me and my wife look at it, it's just it's fucking nuts. And it, they they price you out of air. Like if you're anywhere rural in a blue state, they price you out of being able to like be there, especially in New England. Like the cuts out here. The cost of living is fucking insane here. Like, especially when you look other places. I mean, I wouldn't even say that's just a blue a blue state thing. Um, like the, the rent prices in Miami alone are up thirty percent this year. So like, yeah, dude. Shit's fucking shit's gnarly. Yeah, the creep is real, you know, and it's it's happening everywhere. Yeah. I mean, dude, I paid almost $300,000 for a trailer and five acres, half of which is a swamp. Like, I I was looking in, me and my wife were looking in Missouri today. I could buy a four or five bedroom, two and a half bath on like nine acres right outside of Kansas City for 300 grand. Yep. You couldn't buy that house here with a million bucks. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> it had a fucking elevator in it. It cost you an arm and a leg, man. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy how, like... And that's the... I guess, like, to tie into that, that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin, is that if, you know, if you live on a Bitcoin standard and you're... Like you said, Nico, you spend enough time in Bitcoin... It enables you to take your wealth and your money and go somewhere where cost of living is like reasonable. Absolutely. I'll give you a good example of a problem that happens when you move and you have assets other than Bitcoin, right? Like stocks. So let's say, you know, like in my case, I'm from, you know, from originally from Montreal, Canada. And no way. Yeah, man. I know you don't believe me, but it's true. <laughs> I confirmed it. He, 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 I stayed at his house once, and he drinks maple syrup in the morning. It's, it's very weird. <laughs> we should so we shower in it. We shower he's in he's it. definitely Canadian, like 100%. So what happens is, is that you buy stocks, right? You go through a Canadian brokerage, all that good stuff. So when you come over, let's say, to the States, so first of all, the SEC will no longer let you trade out of your Canadian trading account. So you lose access online, at least. The only way that you can do anything, the only thing they will let you do is sell your holdings. And you have to call and go through this whole process. Now, the point that I'm making is, is that you can't just transfer these assets. You can't just really take them with you. So what do you have to do? You have to sell them. So that becomes immediately a taxable event, which you don't necessarily want to in- incur. And then you and then, you know, you take those funds and you're going to move them across, let's say, you know, from Canada to the States. That's also going to be something that's going to get flagged, depending on, you know, how much, you know, how much money you're moving. Right. So even if you're moving it with a wire and it's completely legal, they're still flagging it, you know, especially if it's, you know, over ten thousand dollars. So it's just extremely painful. And with Bitcoin, you know, you just I mean, at least for me anyways, it's just this great feeling of liberation. You know, it's like, yep, I could just take my assets and boom, I'm gone. 
Absolutely. It's funny that you say that too, that like, while we're on the list of things that Bitcoin fixes, um, I've been helping people buy miners with Kaboom Racks for a couple of months and uh, just started like selling miners on my own. Um, But prior to that, maybe like a month and change ago, I had somebody reach out to me and they wanted to buy like six figures of, you know, of Bitcoin miners in cash. Did you know that that is fucking impossible? That is fucking impossible. Bro, of course that's fucking impossible. Is that try, guy a drug dealer? Try moving that much money. But this is what I'm saying. Bitcoin fixes that because you can move that much money in Bitcoin and it's fucking flawless. Now you have this thing that our government tells us is worth something, but it's only really worth something if you only have so much of it. Liquid, right? Because if you have any more than that liquid, you can't you can't walk into it. It's not 1970. You can't walk into a car dealership with 70 G's in cash. My wife works for a fucking car dealership. You cannot walk in there with 70 grand in cash. Nope. <laughs> like there is so much paperwork that comes with 70 grand in cash. Dude, it's it's man, and and they fuck they fucked us with that, bro. Because when they instituted that law, the Bank Secrecy Act in the nineteen seventies, um, it, it was ten thousand dollars. But if you adjust if you adjust for inflation, dude, like if you adjust for inflation, like dude, it, 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 back then, it, that same value today is seventy grand, seventy fucking grand. So it used to be that ten that that ten thousand dollar rule, which is essentially applies to car dealerships. Uh, essentially, if you want, if you have to deposit money in a bank, any of any of that stuff, dude. When that when that law was implemented, that meant you could uh, you could deposit up to seventy grand in cash. If it, obviously, if you adjust for inflation, so it's like they they never changed the law. And what's crazy is that they're getting even, they're getting even worse, bro. Fucking the, the Biden administration, they failed at this because the Build Back Better uh, bill failed. But, dude, they, they wanted to implement a $600 surveillance. Do you imagine that shit, bro? That shit's fucking wild. Cash App's doing that now, you know. 600 fucking when- dollars, bro, every fucking time. So, like, that essentially assumes that everyone is a criminal. Like, because 1% or 2% of the country commits fucking crime, the rest of the fucking country has to pay the consequences for that. Like that, that, that's completely against the fourth amendment, completely against the fourth amendment, which is uh, un- no unreasonable searches and seizures. But it's like, dude, they completely fucking for Like, it's like, dude, this whole thing is a fucking scam. It's a scam, bro. It's a scam. What's cash app doing? Cash app reports to the IRS. Every time there's a transaction on cash app, more than $600 now. Well, that's good to know. They say, quote unquote, we don't report the ones between you and your family. How the fuck do you know who, when I'm sending to, if they're my family? Like, no red flags there, anybody? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, how do you know that, and why do you know that? <laughs> We're not flagging <laughs> when you send your friend money for dinner. Like, how do you know what is money for dinner? <laughs> fuck? It's money for dinner. Come on, Elsie. Like, no, 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 it's fine. And then, like, that shit, that shit blows my mind, man. You see shit like that, and then you scroll down Twitter, 
And it's like people retweeting Cash App's thing with their Cash App handle. And I'm like, huh? They just told you they're surveilling everything you do. Yeah, what are you is, doing? The, you know what? You kind of bring up a good point. This is another reason to have more than one um, on and off ramp, right? Like it's, it, it is, you know, it is to our advantage, you know, to do the research, to, to get to know, you know, first of all, use VPNs, right? Like I don't do it enough, you know, like I'm telling people to do it, but like I don't do it enough. But, you know, to use like HODL, HODL and BISC, you know, stuff like that. And because the reality is, is that, look, you know, you just said it with Cash App. Like personally, I, I use Cash App a lot um, and it's out of sheer laziness and stupidity, right? Like I, I know what it is that I'm doing. I know that it's KYC'd out the ass and I, I'm just a fool, right? Um, I do have Bitcoin that is not KYC'd, um, but that's a different story. And essentially you need to have these other off ramps. Like you can't just, you know, you can't just depend on one, you know? So, but that's, I, I actually was not aware of that. Elsie. Uh, I, I didn't even see that. I want to say last week, maybe, maybe the week before it was announced. Uh, they've actually made a post on Twitter about it, I think, or it was a news article on Twitter about it. I'll go back through their feed, see if I could find something. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as that, like, I highly recommend to anybody make friends with your, you know, friendly neighborhood miner, you know, because find somebody that, you know, you follow on Twitter that seems like they post like they may have some miners or a substantial amount of miners and reach out to them and ask them if either they or anybody they know has KYC free sats that they want to sell. I know plenty of miners that sell sats. They have to. You start getting enough miners plugged in and people got to cover overhead costs and power and, you know, they're they're going other places, whether it be BISC or HODL HODL or an exchange to sell those sats to uh, to make overhead costs. Like, I'd rather see a pleb helping another pleb out. Yep, I totally agree. I remember for a time there was people doing Azteca, I think it is, or what's yeah, that? Yeah, something like that, right? Something like that, or Azteco. And, you know, like you could essentially, you know, if, if you knew the right person, you could buy some, you know, you could buy some sats KYC free. Yeah, it wasn't KYC free, though, for them to sell it. Do you know what I mean? It was something weird. You had to like buy like, coupons or something, something. Yeah, like they, but the seller would KYC to Azteco, if I understood correctly. So, so there is some element of KYC, but if you're the purchaser, um, then there wasn't. Yeah, it's so. I mean, you would so much easier send the money to PayPal. So, so much I easier guess. to just reach out to somebody. There's plenty of people who are very public about mining. You know, it's so much easier to just even if you reach out to some of the bigger names, like some of the guys at Upstream Data or something. You know, this is Bitcoin. Somebody will respond. Somebody will be able to point you in a direction. There's no need to feel like your only option is to like you know buy on Coinbase. Well, you just told everybody they could ask you. No, me. <laughs> Don't ask now me. I know who I can ask when we're done this call. <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, I can just go to LC. He'll tell me who to go speak to. <laughs> no, but there's always guys. You know, I'm in a lot of always guys. I'm sure Nico knows people too. That there's there's always guys that are running miners that are some unexpected cost comes up or something. Somebody's always looking to get rid of some sats and. 
you know, Bitcoin was a peer-to-peer cash network. So the thing is, dude, like once you get to a certain size, um, you have to do everything over the table. You don't have a choice. Um, just like, dude, you don't want to fuck with Uncle Sam. And they, they're just the people with guns, bro. And they have, they're essentially a mafia. And yeah, man, like it, for, for the size of the operation I'm running, first of all, my, my, the people that host with me cover my expenses. But, you know, if, if I essentially, dude, like I have to report is what I'm trying to say. Like there, there's no way around it. Like, of course, like if you're running a, you know, like a, a whole mining operation with a couple rigs here and there. And yeah, dude, like there's there's absolutely no issue at all. But um, once you get to a certain size, dude, like you're just asking for fucking trouble, man. Like like because they know they, they see your electricity usage. You have to register the company. They know what the fuck you do. Like so, you know, like, dude, it's just it, bro. They have all the fucking guns. I don't know. How, I don't know how else better to say it. Yeah, no, that's that's what I meant. I, I mean, I'm not saying to go knock on. You know, some big. I'm not saying go knock on Nico's door or go knock on fucking Marathon Patent Group's door and say, "Can I buy some sats?" But you know, there's there's plenty of guys around Twitter that are running a dozen rigs or something. You know, that oh, are yeah, racking up sure. big electricity costs and want to expand or whatever they want to do. You know, Dude, life they, they, sometimes they, life comes up and people got to sell sats. The, the whole KYC Sats thing, I, I, I think that this KYC thing is going to be a momentary issue because it, it, if we really do transition to a Bitcoin standard, right, and Bitcoin is the most used currency, dude, like, how do you stop, you know, like, the governments aren't going to have the fucking ability to censor and, you know, essentially surveil the way they used to. And even if they do surveil, it's they can't stop the transaction. Like they can't freeze it. What are they going to do? Make you register your pub files? Like, dude, like it's it's like, man, like there's so many implications there. And then it goes to how much power our influence our our Bitcoiners going to have in Congress, right? Like in in political institutions. And then it goes to another step, which is what I think is is in inevitability is that the federal government. On a federal level, they might they might make Bitcoin illegal, but the individual states, because of the incentives of Bitcoin, essentially what they're going to do is, is say, go fuck yourself. You know, like <laughs> they're not. Gonna, it's like the same with the marijuana industry. Like marijuana is illegal on a federal level, but on a state level, you, the states are just like, yeah, you can go fuck yourself. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. Right. So like Bitcoin might play out the same way, dude. Like it, it's just it the, Bitcoin, what it really is a threat to is dc and the the power the root of power in dc and the reason it's a threat to that is because that's where the money's created that's why that's why dc is called a swamp because it just has so much power so much corruption because that's where the money spigot is right so if you get close to the money spigot you get close to the money right so it's like dude like this whole thing is just it's just freaking ridiculous like it's just ridiculous and bitcoin fixes this because it is essentially the, the creation of money is everywhere right it doesn't it's not necessarily grouped up with you know a small entity or anything like that right so like it, like dude like it, it, it's it's man it changes everything and i and i really think that it's just going to take away power away from you know the bureaucrats in washington and away from the parasites and it's going to give it to the productive people 
um, in society, dude. The people that, you know, actually are willing to like risk to invest in miners and, and all that stuff. So like, dude, like it, it changes everything, man. I'm, I'm just so sick of this fucking fiat bullshit where it's like, you have to like elect somebody who like, you know, it's like two sides, like both sides of the party suck. Like, you know, like they're all like totalitarians, like, you know, like, and, and bro, like you have to fucking care about that shit because you're using their fucking money, dude. Like you use their money. Every time you use a dollar, you're funding the beast, right? And Bitcoin takes away that fucking power. Finally, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that gentlemen, we're. Uh, I think we've uh, burnt up enough time. I'm sure you gentlemen have some stuff to do tonight. I know I gotta get to bed. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you guys' time. I appreciate you coming by and uh, taking the time out on a Saturday night. Likewise, dude. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it, LC. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing it on Twitter in about 10 minutes. Sweet. Sounds good, man. <laughs> Later, man. Bye. Cheers, guys.